This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Our guests today are Chris Etner, a chair of the accounting department at Wharton, and Omar Aguilar, a strategic cost transformation and global market offering leader at Deloitte. We are speaking with them about how cost management is changing globally. Chris and Omar, thank you so much for joining us at Knowledge at Wharton today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. So, Chris, uh, if we could start with you, uh, uh, how did you start working together on this global cost management uh, uh, study? And if you could start us off with sure. that, sure, that'd be uh, great. It was really a, a joint question of. What makes these cost management systems work? So I've been teaching cost management both to undergrads and graduate students. And, you know, you teach a lot of things, and the question is, okay, well, where's the biggest bang for the buck? Which one of these things these companies are doing are really paying off? So I got in contact with Omar because of some of the work they were doing, and we jointly decided let's add some more evidence-based research on cost management success. So we were able to piggyback on some of the survey work that was being done at, at Deloitte. So, Omar, uh, just picking up on what Chris just said, you've just done your second biennial global cost survey. Uh, can you tell us how long you've been doing these surveys globally and in the U.S.? Sure. For the same reasons as uh, Chris indicated, we've done them since 2008 in the U.S. And over the last couple of years, we decided to do this globally. So we started to do the first biennial global survey in 2017, and we have now released the second biennial global survey. Uh, and that goes with also regional updates, and then also we are going to be doing, and we're doing cuts by uh, by sector. So we we've, we've been at it for ten years, and the reason we we did this is there's no uh, empirical based evidence or and no facts on cost management are really out there in the market. So we wanted to make sure that we got that fact base, and uh, we put it to the market to be useful. So Chris, uh, just picking up on what Omar just said. Uh, one of the things that uh, you talk about in this report is cost transformations. Uh, for those of us who are not, uh, you know, accountants, what exactly does that mean? Well, one, it's not an accounting term. Okay, <laughs> this, this is this is a, a structural change in how you run your business. Right. Last time we were talking about transforming to grow, and what we saw in the last survey was lots of people taking their savings from the cost management efforts and taking those and investing them in growth. Right? And there's always the notion in finance that it's always cheaper to self-fund yourself. What we're seeing now is, is that in addition to that is, let's not just think about growing our existing business, taking what we're doing and doing better. Let's completely transform our organizations. Right? How can we integrate cost management into this transformation about processes are different, how we're going to compete are different. And it's a much different mindset where I think what we were getting with transform to grow mm -hmm. was take our existing models right, and doing those better. Right, and taking the savings from cost management and reinvesting there. What we're seeing now is kind of the same idea, but it's a complete transformation in both processes, products, and services to get us more fit for what's going on in the future. Maybe, Omar, you could... What do you think, sure. Omar? I think, you know, when you talk about, uh, we call it cost survey because cost is a key word. I really think it really encompasses four factors in the transformation. Uh, there's cost, growth, liquidity, and talent. Cost is... is dominant, or at least, you know, we wanted to put it in there because we believe that a transformation should be self-funded. So it's important to have that. And there's a lot of data on growth and talent, you know, and, and so forth. So you're really talking about a broader transformation where cost savings are really part of this. We have been, as Chris said, you know, into a, a save-to-grow environment. Mm -hmm. 
where savings are really being used to uh, manage profitability, manage margin, uh, develop and put forth in growth. What we're seeing right now is so, something totally different. You know, if you remember, I told you, you know, we've been at this since 2008, and we have the global service actually uh, for the last two, three years. We have 1,200, over 1,200 executives reporting this in multiple sectors across the globe. So we believe that, we know that our information is statistically valid. And what we find now is that we've seen a, a movement into now companies are not only concerned about saving to grow, but then now the incidence of technology and digital enablers is coming into play. And that's what we call it, it's save to transform, which is a taller order than it was before we save to grow. So I'd love to you know, explore some of these concepts of saving to grow and saving to transform in a little more detail when we talk about the key findings. But just to set the stage, Chris, uh, before we get into the findings, uh, how do you look at the state of the market today and, and, and this, paint for us the picture of what the, what the context and market looks like? Well, clearly you see the vast majority of companies are going after cost management. We found like 71% of the firms are, in, are in, going forward are still going to be doing cost management. There's only one in 10, even in the next 24 months, that aren't going to be doing anything there. People are also going for much higher cost reduction targets. So we see a lot more firms going into reductions of at least 10% and even more into the 20% range. So companies are really trying not just play around the margins on the cost reduction, but let's go to really big changes in our cost structure. At the same time, what you're seeing is failure rates going way up. So this in this survey, it was like 81% of the firms did not meet their cost management targets. Now, part of that, obviously, is because we're setting more ambitious targets. Mm -hmm. But we're still seeing a lot of cases where they're not because this is like 18, a failure rate 18% higher than we had last time in terms of hitting your cost target here. So you do see much more ambitious plans, but a lot higher failure rates in terms of hitting these higher targets there. And part of what we were trying to understand was which factors are leading the, the companies to hit targets or not to hit targets. So what, what do you think, Omar? And, and to pick up on the last point that sure. uh, Chris mentioned, why is the failure rate so high? Uh, we know why now. I think that um, uh, it is mostly the problems now are related to implementation, uh, implementations and architecting the programs. So um, if you look at the, uh, the failure rates, at, at this point they're, they're contributing or they're coming about because you architect a program that is very aggressive, but then you're doing it tactically. Mm -hmm. So you architect it, architect it in, a, in, a, in a difficult or wrong way, systematic error, right? And then uh, a lot of folks think that the challenges now are change management. Uh, we have moved from change management. It's very important, but then now the challenges are implementation. If you look at the, um, the last 10 years of data, longitudinal data that we have, which is unique in that we have, several things are a point, you know, and then Chris indicated where we are right now. Some folks believe that cost management or cost reduction is only done when something is wrong. We are way beyond that. Ten years ago, you know, we started to see that not the majority of companies were doing cost reduction. Right now, we have seven to nine out of ten companies doing this. So that means that cost has become now a core competency. Most everyone is expecting it. Right. What we saw as well is that the, the, the targets that we had on cost reductions were lower than they are now. We have 70% of the market doing cost reductions greater than 10%. We have a third of the market doing cost reductions greater than 20%. And the failure rates have consistently gone up. Mm 
So that's kind of a, a picture that we have. So we do believe that the programs need to be architected differently, and there's got to be a focus on different things to make them successful. And now the complication is all the digital enablement that needs to happen in the companies that is adding complexities to, uh, to the programs. I understand. So, Chris, coming back to you, uh, if, if there is so much complexity built into the way these programs are being done, what, what are some of the factors that are affecting the way companies think about cost management and what can be done about that? Well, again, it, it depends on what the objective of the cost management program is, right. right? Going back to what Omar said, is it really we're responding to some kind of downturn in our economy? Or is it really cost management is just part of a big strategic transformation of our organization? And what we're finding out is companies that are actually doing this more strategically, and, and this is just a component. It's not cost management as a standalone issue. It's cost management in this bigger transformation. That's, people need to start thinking about it differently. Right. Cost management is just part, as we talk about transformation, yeah. it's people, it's processes, it's talent, it's various other things. And it's a much different mindset, even from the last time we did the survey, in terms Absolutely. of just taking the funding and putting that towards right. growth in our current business. So people have to think about this. And part of this came up when we started asking them about what their risks are. I mean, last time the big risks were macroeconomic, macroeconomic environments, commodity prices. Yeah, those are still there, right? But not nearly as high as you would think given the environment today. It really is digital disruption and cybersecurity, right? Those are the big risks they're facing, which has to enter into this, I'm going to transform my business. And cost management, again, our view is it's not a standalone process. It is not. It's just one component of an right. overall transformation. If you think about it standalone, yeah, you might meet this short-term target, yeah. but strategically it's not going to help. And my, my view and my experience, and probably yours as well, is the costs just creep back up. Absolutely. Right? And then the, the picture that we saw now, you know, as, as Chris was indicating, in 2017 when we looked at um, external factors, mm -hmm. digital disruption was barely on the radar screen. I think that there's an element of, um, I think it was the, uh, the, uh, the futurist, Mike Gibson said this, you know, the future is here now, it's just not visible to everyone. What I can tell you is, it sounded like a philosophy, French Philip, no, it was a, a futurist who said that. The future is here now and everyone can see it. So what you see is the two thirds of the market are concerned about digital disruption and cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. This was nowhere to be seen and what you do about that, right? And then if you look at the internal risk factors, these are the things that are impacting the transformations. Most companies are concerned about their ERP and financial systems and reporting. Mm -hmm. So we have not grown out of this. Actually, it's deja vu because what's happening is a lot of these, so those systems are now obsolete. And then now you need to look into those and how uh, you need to revamp them. So what's, what's changed or what's really adding impetus or focus to the transfer transformations is these risks mm -hmm. that are very different than what we've seen before. You know, the interesting thing is how companies are responding to these risks, right? right. Some of them are just retrenching what they're doing currently. Right. They're doing that short-term cost cutting. And, and that does not look like it's going to be that successful. You can get the short-term cost cut, but strategically, you're not transforming your organization. The ones that are responding differently, which is, i got to have to completely rethink the way we're doing business, cost management, and let's say it's cost management, the management is the important word here. It's right. not just the savings. How can we manage our cost structures in conjunction with revenue growth, in conjunction with changing our product and service offerings? That's going to make us competitive again. 
Rather than just thinking, hey, I got digital problems, the other guy out there has gone digital and we haven't, let's just cut our cost in bricks and mortar. That, that's not really going to help you in the long run. So just, just to probe a little bit deeper into that point that you just made, Chris, uh, can you give any examples of companies that are thinking about it strategically that you mentioned or any sectors that are thinking about it strategically? Well, you're spending a lot more time with, with client firms. Can... Sure. I think there's a lot of investment on digital technology happening in life sciences, for example, in, uh, in cognitive technologies. Uh, I think we're seeing that there, but then the uh, the profitability has been higher. Regionally, we're seeing more cognitive impact uh, in, in Asia Pacific, for example. Those are things that we're seeing there. So you see some pockets of that. Uh, and then some sectors that are now, in general, being more distressed. So they're having an urgency or a need to do something else. But um, I think that when we got to a section of the, the report is probing about technologies and what technologies are working and why they work. Right. Now, when you were looking at some of these external factors that drive cost reduction initiatives, uh, were there any surprises, uh, th things that you didn't expect to find that you that, that, that surprised you? Yeah, I think that the, the first thing that surprises, you know, when we do this every two years now globally, so that's pretty continuous, right? It's not like we do, you know, every five years. And when we had a, a response on digital that was low, and cyber, you know, we, we was out there, it was very much identified. And then that gave us pause and saying, okay, the market has acknowledged that this is the case. Now, reality is not visible everywhere. We have in particular places like uh, Latin America where cyber and digital disruption are not the highest external risks mm -hmm. because they are more concerned about some other things immediately, macroeconomic concerns, currency fluctuations, even credit, you know, you see that. So they have a double challenge mm -hmm. in dealing with immediate concerns that are more economic, mm -hmm. and then on top of that, they're going to have to the challenge with, uh, with digital disruption. That surprised us, and then we did not expect the, the views on that. But when we got into the tools and, and technologies, we probed automation, cognitive business intelligence, and cloud. Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of discussions around a lot of these, and particularly, you know, if you look at automation. Uh, what we found was that the technology that is most widely used and penetrated is cloud. Interesting. Uh, what, what do you think? Would, uh, Chris, uh, any surprises for you? Well, I think the fact that things like macroeconomic conditions these days and commodity prices did not no. come as high. I mean, it, it reduced a lot. And you would have thought just given the current circumstances. But the fact that they are thinking about these longer-term transformations, right, which is much different, I think, than in the past when it was short-term cost reduction. We're just reacting as opposed to proactively thinking about how we manage our cost structure to compete. I think that visibly came out here that it's finally hitting home. Right, that this is got this is not something where you're just trying to react to cut costs because I've got a downturn in the economy or commodity prices or whatever it is. We need to think long term, right? And it's these disruptors. I mean, our, uh, these are shockingly strong results yeah. mm -hmm. in terms of digital disruption and people understanding that we have to start responding to this. And that's that's pretty much across the. I mean, obviously there's industry and country fluctuations, but I think in general. Right, a substantial proportion Absolutely. everywhere understands this now. The market is there. The market is there. You know, there's no question about it. 
Interesting. I'd like to drill in a little deeper into the key findings of the of the survey. So you you mentioned uh, earlier your, your, the the notion of save to save to transform. Right. Uh, I wonder if you could explain in some more detail what that really means and how are your findings in the most recent survey different than what you had found before? Sure. I think that if you look at this, the way that we um, analytically, pictorially look at this, probably it's easier to to relate to this. Uh, transformations can be in a spectrum from distress to being very healthy uh, and then at companies in high distress we will be in a safe to turnaround mode mm -hmm. if you have a more transactional transformation it would be a safe to fund mode mm -hmm. where the market has been over the last few years is in a safe to grow mode that means that in addition to cost growth matters so if you remember I told you there's four factors, right? Mm -hmm. Cost, growth, liquidity, and talent. Right. Safe to turn around, it would be cost and liquidity. Mm -hmm. Then safe mm -hmm. to fund, it would be cost. You know, it's a very transactional. Safe to grow, then we're looking at cost and growth. Then safe to transform what we saw now, and we had envisioned this before. We envisioned that there should be companies that in addition to growing, they should actually be developing more capabilities. They should be changing their infrastructure. Just think about this. You know, the, 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 most, the most complex part of a cost structure of a company is the inherent business, the operating model. So how is it that you're going to change a company's operating model? It is through some of these disruptors. Mm -hmm. It is through digital enablers. It is through cloud and so forth. So what we found right now is that the save to transform, in addition to cost and growth, technology is making a, a huge play. And if you look at priorities of the market, they relate not only to profitability and growth or efficiency and cost, but also digital enablement and technology transformation. Yeah, part, part of the way we, we tried to get into this was really dig into the digital side. Right. which we hadn't done. I mean, obviously it came yeah. out in the last one, which was really digging. Why are companies doing this and how effective has it been? Now, and again, we looked at AI, machine learning, yeah. cognitive, various you know, cloud computing, various types of digital technologies. If you ask people, have this, these metro expectations, most companies say they have. But when we really dig into this, we think part of the reason why most people say it has, their expectations are very low. Uh, yeah. They're putting little pilot studies on. They're not really transforming their organizations, right? So if all your expectations are, are use these technologies for small little gains, mm -hmm. it's not really surprising necessarily that it meets your expectations. But on the other hand, we have a few of these where it exceeds your expectations and that really drives the performance of the cost management side. And it turns out what's true there is they're not necessarily using this technology for cost management. In fact, when they say it's more effective for cost management, it's not because they put it in for cost management. They put it in to change their product and service offerings. Right. They put it in to fundamentally cha change our processes. So the, the cost side came out of this broader, why did we put this in? They're not necessarily the successful ones doing it just to save money. Right. It's, it is really more this holistic transforming our organization. We put it in to change service offerings. We put it in to transform our business, and the cost advantages came along with that. Absolutely. If you look at the, um, we asked uh, several technologies. We asked for cloud, business intelligence, automation, and then cognitive. And um, again, cloud was the highest being implemented, followed by business intelligence. Again, go back to the highest internal risk, 
relates to ERPs, information systems reporting. Mm -hmm. So having business intelligence makes sense. And there's a huge, huge uh, implementation of cloud right now. Right. And then at about a fourth of the market, 20, 25 to 30%, there was automation and then cognitive. But tellingly, we asked the reasons why they were being done. And uh, the main reasons why th these technologies are being done right now is because of efficiency and controls. But then the other reasons we probed were to enhance services or IE to basically change your model. And the other one is to have a broader or a closer customer experience to enhance that. Those now came in third and fourth. Mm -hmm. Our expectation, my expectation also would be that this is, to your point, this is being used tactically. But going forward, these technologies are going to converge more to the strategic rationale for them, which is it is going to start changing your operating model and your services. It's going to allow you to become more effective in the market. And we're not seeing those right now because these technologies are, to your point, you know, they're not being done at scale. They're being done pilots. And then the success of the pilots and then these technologies tells us that game day is now. These things are ready to go, not at a pilot level, but at scale. So one of the call-outs to the market is, do these, these work, but then now you need to be thinking how you do them at scale to have an impact. Yeah, a couple of interesting factoids that came out of this is the automation ones that really had the biggest impact on cost management savings, you really had to link those up to a big target, right? It's the guys that took automation in a conjunction with, we want to save a lot of money. This was not a small playing around the fringes. That's when automation paid off. When the guys were putting automation in, but it wasn't linked up to, to kind of hard targets, you're not getting much advantage out of this. The other interesting thing, and this gets back to this worry that you put automation in and all we're trying to do is drive labor out. Yeah. It was not related to we're trying to drive labor out. And in one of the big things we're trying to get, and this is a subtle distinction, but it's really important, right. use it for productivity improvement, not cost reduction. Interesting. Productivity improvement is take the same resources and get more output. Right. Right. And a lot of people are so worried about the automation side, that's not necessarily what you're, you're, you're trying to get rid of people. Right. In fact, that's not what people saying they're trying to do with it. We're trying to, for the given amount of resources we have, let's get the most output we can. Let's use it most efficiently, which I think is a very important distinction right. when people talk about how are we going to use this. You know, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, one question that sort of, I, and I wonder if you dealt with this in your survey. I mean, I, I, as part of Knowledge at Wharton, I talk to a lot of people who are sort of, studying digital disruption and transformation. And one of the things that I hear from a lot of them is that very often the initiatives <clears throat> at big companies are driven from the fact that there is this blurring of industry boundaries and you might suddenly have a competitor come out from a different industry who challenges your business models right. that you might never have expected in the past. I mean, a perfect example would be, say, a company like Airbnb that comes along and just sort of transforms the way business is done and right. without owning any real estate that sort of challenges the hotel industry. I wonder, you know, if, if you have found in your, as part of your studies, any effective defenses that these companies have come about, not just through cost management, but thinking strategically against this kind of digital disruption. What do you think? Sure, I think that if uh, you look at this, this, is the whole essence of say to transform. You need to transform the business because uh, in the past, the only uh, you know the only companies that really were disrupting you were startups. Right. You're beyond startups right now. 
you have massive competitors going after in a different way, or you have some other type of competitors that are digitally enabled to your world getting into an ecosystem. Ecosystems are here to stay. Right. The, in different industries are going to get into different ecosystems. And the reason they get into that is they have the DNA, they have the digital enablement to go in and disrupt that industry. Right. That's what's happening. So our, our view is, is simple. The safe to transform really should not be done tactically. It is a means for you to transform your go-to-market, your operating model, to really be able to withstand that disruption. Because you should move away from efficiency, automation, productivity. It's going to be what different operating model is this going to enable that is totally different. That's really the core of it. Yeah, one big thing we, we believe is the whole point of this transformation is create flexibility. You may be disrupted now on, if I'm always responding to what the other guy did, you're always gonna be lagging behind. Right. I wanna be able to set up an infrastructure, an organization that's flexible, that has the ability to respond both in terms of cost functions, revenue enhancement, you know, customer segments we can go after. And I think that's one of the real essence where we think the old one was build, build what we currently do, right? Let's grow what we currently do. But there's so much uncertainty, and we see that with the digital yeah, disruption, absolutely. that what you're trying to do is build an organization that I'm not always responding, or if I have to respond, I can do it quickly. Right. Right. right? And I, I think our view is, if you can start going down this transformation path, that's where the competitive advantage is going to be, is the ability to rapidly respond to changes, right? Whether you, you notice them first, or you got to respond to what somebody else right. did. So let me expand to that, because I think that the... Um, uh, we're STEM type of people, right? We're grounded on analytics <laughs> and all those things. Uh, we call that, and I call it the future of you know, an operating model. We're disrupting operating model. Let me bring the other side of this. Many people would call this the future of work. Right. The future of work is the other side of this coin that we cannot ignore. They're the same, right? Mm -hmm. The future of the operating models that Chris and I are talking about in a technical, analytical way, mm -hmm. the other side of the coin is the future of work. Yeah. How are people going to work in the future? Right. What is going to provide value and how they're going to be working in these new operating models that are now emerging? Right. Now, one of the things I found very interesting about your study is the fact that it is global. Yes. And, and and I was wondering what kind of, uh, did you see any interesting differences in different parts of the world and any any regional lessons that, that might be of interest to our audience? Sure. I think that um, I've had the opportunity to work globally, you know, doing this uh, work, and this is what I do for a living. And um, one of the questions that we probed was cost maturity. Mm. And it's just the processes a company has to really manage costs? Do they have policies? Do they have the process? Are they really effective at it? And they self-reported. Uh, not surprisingly, then we have the U.S. leading on cost maturity, but on the other extreme, you have Latin America, which is a developing country. But not far behind, you see uh, Europe, and then you see Asia-Pacific for other reasons, right? So you can start seeing that there's cultural implications to this. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, we have longitudinal data. Uh, Europe, in the last global re report, they were not as active in cost management mm -hmm. because there are a lot of cultural regulatory challenges to Europe. You know what? They must be more active now. Mm -hmm. So you see the targets being higher in Europe and then being more aggressive uh, uh, cost uh, programs. So you see that. Uh, you see also cyber and digital 
are generally the main risks, you know, there except Latin America. So what that means in Latin America, they have a double challenge. They need to cons be concerned now about currency fluctuations and macroeconomic concerns, but really the real danger is they cannot even see or focus on is digital. And then the internal risks also are different. Uh, we see ERP and systems uh, in, uh, in globally in the U.S., but then if you look at some regions, you are concerned about talent in APAC, mm -hmm. and you are concerned about plans for business continuity in Latin America. Mm -hmm. So you can start painting the picture, and we believe in, uh, in these programs, they tend to be global. You should take into account these insights to make sure that you can be successful. But we do believe this, this notion of cost maturity, which is really not the specific practices you do, but the process you put in place to always be thinking of cost management. Do we have somebody in charge at the executive level? Do we have policies and procedures to get people to think about it? That's going to be critically important because this is an evolving area, right? But once you kind of have that mindset, we talk about yeah. organizations and cultures. Yeah. So I think some of these regions that really have not put the basic cost maturity process in place, that puts you at a, a fundamentally, you're at a strategic disadvantage going forward. Forget about what you're doing right now. And I think it's that infrastructure, if companies haven't done it yet, that ought to be a key part of any cost management process because it does have to be iterative. It's a rapidly changing world. And again, it's transformational. It's, it's not transactional. And that's one of the main reasons we had the failure rates. Failure rates are high at the beginning of your questions because you don't have that infrastructure in place to really make this happen is through implementation. Implementations are not working. Now, if you set aside for a moment the regional differences and you look at it through a different lens of different sectors, what were some of the key differences you found there? I think, you know, our survey takes into account a, uh, a two-year time frame, two years in the back, two years in the future. And uh, by and large, you know, what we saw was a very positive outlook. Uh, so, but then we started to see some softening. Uh, we see some credit risk, we see some consumer demand decreasing, and so forth, right? So our survey indicator already some of the slowdown. We've seen some of that and some of that disruption is hitting some sectors more. If you look at uh, retail, you know, it is a highly impacted uh, sector. Also, you see that because of the digital disruption that goes in there. You look at technology, technology, media, telecom, it is a ground zero of dig digital disruption. We see that uh, in there. And then you see some of the commodity-based uh, industries, in particular resources, industrials, you see some of that. So you see that disruption really taking place and now challenging those sectors. Uh, by and large, we saw that um, uh, the sectors where they're doing more digital enablement are the ones that either have more resources, as in life sciences, or have more urgency and need, as in technology. You know, it's like they, they're actually doing some of that more than other sectors. Yeah, Chris, anything to I, I guess one thing we worry about when we start talking about regional differences is right, if there is an economic downturn, is people cutting back right. on these transformations, right? Where it, that's going to be a very short-term, again, tactical response to a downturn in the economy when if strategically I want to emerge well if we see an economic downturn, maybe now is the time to invest in this. And I, I think right. one worry we have is things like retail, if it tightens up, they stop doing digital transformation. And really that is gonna be the only way to survive going forward. So there is a little bit of concern on our part that even though we've seen more of this move towards the transformation, there's a retrenchment 
if there's an economic downturn. And we don't think that in the long run that's a, that's a good move. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad both of you brought up the question of an economic downturn because there seems to be this growing anxiety uh, because of all, all kinds of geopolitical sure. factors that there might be some sort of a downturn in the future. Uh, uh, coming. And if that happens, would the save to transform model be something that positions companies well uh, to deal with it? What do you think? Sure. I think that if you look at that, we talked about this before, the, um, our survey and the respondents, I think, were um, uh, told us that their concern about several factors, you know, demand and consumer demand was one of them. Uh, in, internationally, there's credit, you know, currency fluctuations and so forth. Uh, but by and large, still, the outlook is positive. I think that we still have a very positive outlook. Economy is growing, and actions are being taken, mostly through monetary policy now, uh, to keep it that way. So we expect that. I think that likely, uh, th I think that there will be a sliding slowdown and cool down of the economy. If there's a downturn, likely it'll happen because of a shock, mm -hmm. not because of the gradual things that are happening. We're not seeing that. It'll be really because of a shock. If you look at um, the experience, the last time that we had a downturn was in 2008, mm -hmm. the great you know recession that we had. And there were some interesting findings. I don't think that we're in the same mode, but only about 8% of the market both grew and actually maintained margins, right? Mm -hmm. And then and only about 14% or 20% of the market actually maintained positive margin during that time. So there was only about 25% of the market that actually can claim some sort of victory in a downturn. It was overwhelmingly negative. If you look at now, what we're saying is the following. You need to look at this more transformationally, more strategically. The save to transform mode is just moving you up from save to grow, now taking into account technology enablement. For the reasons we discussed, technology is going to help you to be the word that you use, agile, to have flexibility, to get you closer, to use my words, a new operating model. Let's use some other people's word, a new future of work, or how we're going to work. That, we believe, is going to allow you to have the flexibility to slide into a more defensive posture. Those companies, uh, we believe, are going to be those 10 to 15, 20% that actually are successful in a downturn. And that is actually a, uh, you need to really be more offensive in what you do now to be able to do well down the road. And I think it's not just offensive. I think they could actually exploit some things, right? Absolutely. There's a downturn and we have the capability to Absolutely. come up with new product service offerings, change our mode of operation and do it yeah. flexibly, agilely. Absolutely. And we're gonna actually take advantage of the downturn where other people are in the defensive mode. Absolutely, I think the safe to transform now, you know, given where we are, we need to be practical. So I think they need to do some scenario planning. You need to put some capabilities. You need to look at this multifunctionally. Uh, and the key point is, not only taking action now, but then figuring out what else needs to be done. Leading indicator, you know, a lot of the downturns is going to be working capital. Yeah. What are you going to be doing with working capital that happens, right? What happens if you're, uh, you have negative performance and what actions do you take? So I think that is not only we stand the storm, but are you going to be the winner that were very, very few in the last recession that we had? I think I've sort of more, more or less come to the end of the questions I had. Are there any concluding you know, comments that you would like to make about things that 
we should have talked about, but we haven't? Well, one thing that kind of relates to the scenario planning and simulation, one, one striking result that's come up every time we've analyzed any data out of this is the importance of putting in better forecasting and planning systems. And, the, and this whole movement towards digital is just making this better. You have much more capabilities through AI and machine learning and analytic methods to do the scenario planning, to do these things where you can try to anticipate and then build this more agile, this more transformational operation around that. But that has been a striking finding we found over and over again, and digital plays right into that because it's really improving our ability to try to understand scenarios and build around those. I think that, uh, I, think that I, would, I would echo that. I think that it is not only about the transformation, but you need to have some volatility modeling, mm -hmm. some scenario planning modeling. So I think that in addition to that, uh, very few companies at the board level get into special situations, right? So I think that uh, you should be looking at that at the board level, at the CEO level. Uh, what, how prepared are you for what is going to be at least a slowdown? And then the challenge is you got to grow, you got to be profitable, but now you have these disruptive technologies. How can you do about this? But then in addition to that, doing the scenario planning, what else do you need to do in capabilities that you need to have and at what point do you need to put them in play? So I don't think that it's only the transformation that you need to worry about now, but then that contingency planning that you need to do now to be able to enable these capabilities and modes of operation that are different than what you are right that, now. That, that's a great note for us to end this conversation on. So Chris, uh, Omar, thank you so much for speaking with Knowledge at Wharton. It's been a pleasure speaking to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.